1: Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were, were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! This is the word of the Lord.
0: Last week, we had the amazing opportunity to see several baptisms here. Who was here last week? Raise your hand. Wasn't it an amazing service? That was so exciting, and I I left here that evening um, and and felt high in the good way, right? It was so good to be in the presence of the Lord and to see so many people uh, share their testimony and and share what God has done for them in their life and to follow him in baptism. It rejuvenated me. And I don't want this to turn into a a therapy session for me, but I would like to tell you this, that I, I sense the Lord working not only in my own life in fresh, deeper ways, but in your lives as well. And the Lord is preparing us for something. He's preparing us to to bring glory to Him in some new ways. He's preparing us to grow. He's preparing people to come to faith in Him. He's preparing us to be the church, the churches, as we continue to see Queen's Church planted, Uh, the churches that He will use uh, to bring people to the Lord. And I'm excited about our future. And just on a personal note, I just want you to know I really enjoy being your pastor. I'm very grateful for each and every one of you and uh, as I get to know you more and more, uh, it, it does my soul well uh, to get to know you. So I want to thank you for the privilege uh, to be able to, to minister to you, and I look forward to many years together doing that. There's my therapy session. This week, we're celebrating Easter, not through baptism, but we're, we're continuing to focus on surrendering to the Lord. And... If you probably noticed, even if you didn't, maybe you will now, that a lot of our songs have that dynamic tonight, that we're surrendering ourselves to the Lord, and that's what God wants us to do. And, and we talked two weeks ago that surrendering means that we win. We don't lose when we surrender. and In the worldly sense, when you surrender to an enemy, you become theirs and you lose. But in Christ, we surrender to the Lord, we become His, and we win. Uh, we become heirs with the, the Lord Jesus and tonight I wanted to focus on this one thing. There's a new king in town. It's what Palm Sunday is all about. You just heard Jorge read the, the scripture for us where the people are waving palm branches. It's in John chapter 12 too. If you look in your sermon notes, you'll see that section of scripture also noted. Uh, but It's in John chapter 12 as well where there are have the palm branches and they're waving them and they're they're shouting in Hosanna! Come save us, save us, Lord! And uh, you know, glory to God in the highest. And you know, the Son of David, they're just praising him and shouting. It'd be really fascinating to kind of go back in time and be there. I wonder how kind of raucous it was because you know, to go to a sporting event or a concert, you know, the crowd goes wild. And I just imagine that uh, the scene of people ushering him in uh, on the donkey as a king would be welcomed in, and they were expecting this king to come in and to rescue them. But even as great as their celebration was, they underestimated this new king. And I, I know for a fact that all of us, here and out there, we're very good at underestimating who Jesus is. And tonight I want us to be reminded of three specific areas where we underestimate him. And I I hope it'll be a transformative night for you. That every time you start to suffer from doubt or suffer from um, just being downcast and and just overwhelmed, that you'll remember that there's a new king in town. And that I'm not defeated. And the, the story isn't over. And there is hope for me. So there's three things, three ways. We'll start with number one. The first way that we underestimate Christ is through our preparation. Our preparation. You can follow along in the worship outline in your folder or take notes wherever you want. If you have a great memory like some people that I can't think of right now, that's not me, you can just remember it. But the first thing is our preparation. If you look at the story in... um, that, that was read for us. They went through all these preparations. They went and they got the, un, the, uh, the, the donkey. They went and brought it back. They, they prepared the palm branches. They were expecting the king. They did all of these things to prepare for the king to come to Jerusalem. And whether you realize it or not, every person, you included, you are preparing in this moment right now to meet God. You are making preparations for that. Every person in the world, whether they know it or not, is preparing for that moment because Hebrews chapter 4, excuse me, 9, verse 27 reads this. Hebrews 9, 27 says, And just as it is appointed for man once to die, or to die once, and after that comes judgment. It is appointed by God that at some point we are going to leave judgment. These earthly vessels, these bodies, and we are going to eventually die, and we're going to stand before God. So whether we are actively looking forward to that day, or whether that day catches us by surprise, in some way, shape, or form, we are preparing to meet God. Palm Sunday, they were celebrating and they were preparing the way for their king to come in. Their expectation was very clear this king is going to come in and he's going to free us from the oppression of the Roman Empire. They greeted him, they acknowledged him as king, which is good, but they still underestimated what kind of king he would be. Instead of delivering them from the Roman Empire, he freed them from the power of Satan, a greater and even more severe master. Instead of giving them earthly lives where they were out from under the authority of the Romans, he gave them an eternal life that was free from the authority of sin and death. A new king was coming to town, and he was providing a new way of life, and this way was the way to eternal life. So they underestimated Jesus, and their preparation for it, their expectations for what he was going to do, evidenced. They were underestimating him. So the question for you is, what what ways are you underestimating Jesus in your life? What are some ways that you are underestimating him in your life? Is he more powerful than the problems in your life? I think I would step out on a limb and say, you would verbally say, yes, he is. I would retort by asking you, are you living like he's more powerful than your problems? Or are your problems mounting over you and overwhelming you and causing frustration in your relationships at home, in relationships in church or at work? Do you find yourself thinking that life is too hard? It's too difficult. Do you find yourself feeling hopeless in any area of your life? If so, then you're underestimating Jesus. In Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, it'll pop up on the screen here. It says, uh, this is where he goes through the, the armor of the Lord and putting it on. And he gets to the end, and Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So he finishes all of these things, and he's saying, Be strong in the Lord and be strong in, not your strength, but in the strength of His power. In Jeremiah 32, and there's tons of verses. These are just some that got pulled up. But Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven, it says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. And he asked this question, is there anything too hard for me? Is there anything too difficult for me? And that was a, a question that, you know, God didn't ask the question like, no, I'm, I'm wondering, I really don't know. Is there anything too hard for me? He was proving a point. <laughs> he was like, there's nothing too hard for me. I am the God of all creation. When I speak, planets are formed. When I speak, people have breath. When I speak, life happens. Life happens. Do you honestly think there is anything too difficult for me? Jesus is this all-powerful king, and this is the Holy Week. So we go from Palm Sunday, where he ushers in, and uh, in, in the book of John, you see just before he comes into Jerusalem. He raised Lazarus from the dead, which is a very powerful scene, uh, a, a moment of history and, and miracle. And uh, he, he comes into Jerusalem and it just, it's just action-packed uh, this this holy week. And some amazing things happen. But before he left the earth, before he was crucified even, he promised us power. He promised us not just his power that's off somewhere that yes, we can tap into sometimes, but he promised us the Holy Spirit. And he told the people, he says, I'm going to ask the Father, and the Father is going to give you an advocate and helper, a helper to, uh, to be with you forever. And then after the resurrection, before the ascension to the Father, when Jesus was here on earth, after the resurrection, before he left again to be with the Father, he told them, he says, you're going to receive power You will be the recipients of power. Power. And when, you're going to get this, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. So one of the things I want us to stop underestimating is the power of God. To realize that God is all-powerful, and through Jesus, His church, all those who are in Christ have the Holy Spirit in us, empowering us to do anything God calls us to do. There is nothing too difficult for Him. The question I would leave with you, or cause, I I want you to deal with this question, is do you have faith in that? Do you have trust in that? Is that the way you're living? Do you trust that this is true, what the scriptures say on this is true, or do you underestimate the power of God in your life? I think I would suggest, I will boldly proclaim, every one of us struggles with underestimating the power of God in our lives unless we're never getting stressed out, unless we never feel like overwhelmed, unless we never feel like quitting, unless we, whatever, unless we're always put together, at some point we underestimate his power. And what I want us to do is start under, over, under, what, I don't know the right word there, stop underestimating his power. <laughs> I want us to underestimate it less and grow in that. Um, should have written that down somehow. So his power is something we underestimate. The second thing we underestimate about it, which is having to do with our preparation. So our preparation, we underestimate his power. It causes us to prepare for life differently. The second way is through his plan. We, we underestimate his plan for our lives, that God has direction for our lives. We think, yeah, God is there and he's for me and those are good things, but it's up to me to determine steps one, two, three, four, five. It's up to me to figure out the specific course of action for me to take but that's, that's not biblical, God actually is very interactive he's very uh, into giving us information for the direction of our lives um, I did something cool recently I bought some airpods yeah you can get them but a little cheaper at Costco uh, than you can at Apple I found out so I bought some of these with the express purposes of, of listening to audible uh, books. And well, the first one I downloaded for free, I got the, the Messenger Bible, the New Testament. I was like, oh, that's cool. That would be something good to listen to. So I pop them in. Yeah, I drive Uber. So I have lots of times where I'm just sitting there, you know, just sitting behind a car. So I put one of those in, and I was listening to it, and in between rides and just wherever I am. Anyway, I, I have listened in two weeks the entire New Testament. Is it, I'm the only one impressed with that? Okay. <laughs> You're like, so what? I read it twice a day. <laughs> so, but I listened to, uh, I just remembered I haven't done Revelation yet. So everything minus Revelation. I will finish it. But anyway, two weeks, less than two weeks, I've done the entire New Testament minus Revelation. And I've noticed that one of the really interesting parts of absorbing that much is that you, you get all these different facets. Like, you start to understand that, you know, the Gospels are great, and they have their purpose, and the letters are great, they have their purposes. But one of the things is those little letters, which are, some are big, some are small, they're addressing specific things that were happening in the church. So the Gospel is good for us to understand simplistically that we are fallen, there's nothing we can do to fix it. We're sinful, we can't undo it. But God did something for us, and what he did was send Jesus to be our propitiation to die for our sins and to give us new life and through faith in Him and through faith in Him alone can we be made new. So that's the gospel, that's the big picture that we get in the New Testament. But those letters are so rich in teaching us how to live out our faith. And I got so much instruction that I've, you know, I've I've read it, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I've read it before and I'm, I'm aware of these letters, but just putting myself under it so much and submerging myself in it was very rich and it actually spoke to me in several ways throughout the week where I, I wouldn't have had that prior. And so God was very good and God's Holy Spirit was speaking to me in, in, in ways uh, through the Scripture and also outside of the Scripture just because I'm seeking the Lord and He was, and he was ministering to my soul. God is very interested in our details to the point that he's recorded it in the word and he's also empowered us by the Holy Spirit to live according to the word of God and also to live uh, by the power of his Holy Spirit to to give us wisdom, to give us words when we don't have words, to to give us what we need in those moments. And so Psalm 139 verses one through six talk about the, the intentionality or the focus God has with the details of our lives. And he says here, it says, Oh Lord, Psalm 139. It says, "O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in" Behind and before you lay your hand upon me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. It was very comforting for the psalmist to say, God, you're acutely aware of every detail in my life, and it's more than I can stand. Thank you, Lord. Do you underestimate that God has you in His eyesight? Do you forget that God notices you? That He sees everything? And do you forget that it is a comforting and rich and good thing that God sees everything? He is active. He wants to be active even more in your day-to-day life. We underestimate Jesus in our preparation. The second way we underestimate him is in our prayer. Our preparation. There were other words that we could have done for preparation. Our participation. There's, there's other things, but it, it, it incorporates a lot of things. But this one is, is our prayer. We underestimate him in our prayer. This, these people that we look back on in Palm Sunday, they had been praying and seeking the Lord a long time for a a king, a redeemer. They prayed hard. They were watching and yearning for Jesus and praying for him, but they were underestimating Jesus because they were desiring less than what Jesus was wanting to give them. They were wanting less than what Jesus was desiring to give them. I'm guilty of that. They wanted to be free from the Romans and what he wanted to give them was something greater. He wanted to give them new life, forgiveness of sins, and invite, listen, every one of them into the inner circle where it wasn't just going to be Peter, James, and John anymore, but he was trying to invite everyone into the inner circle. It wasn't just going to be the prophets of the Old Testament filled with the Holy Spirit, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, God is wanting to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Before I came up here to preach, that that thought occurred to me that what a privilege it is to stand before you and to get to share the Word of God with you. But this is a, a role that I play in God's church. It's an office or a role that I play. But I'm not the one that God has anointed with the Holy Spirit. Every one of you who are in Christ have the same anointing of the Holy Spirit. The inner circle where God wants to speak to you. And do you underestimate this Jesus in your prayers? Are you praying beneath Him because your understanding of who He is is too low. For example, you may be underestimating mercy, His mercy and His forgiveness. If you carry around guilt and remorse from sins that God's forgiven you a long time ago, then you're underestimating His mercy and you're underestimating His forgiveness. This one might hit close to home because it hit me. If you carry around grudges over other people whose God has forgiven years ago, then you're underestimating God's mercy and forgiveness. Maybe you're carrying unreal, unrealistic expectations for other people in your lives, for your spouse or your parents, your children, your friends. You have these unrealistic expectations or hopes or desires for them because you are underestimating the level of mercy that God has given you, the depth of His forgiveness, the, the immense proportion of grace that God has poured out on you so it's causing you to need or feel like you need these things from other people. We underestimate His mercy and forgiveness. In Psalm 103, verse 12, speaks of how God has mercyed us. It says, as far as the east I think the east is over there. As far as the east is from the west, as far, uh, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. That's how far it is that he separated us from our sins, that God does not remember them anymore. And it leads us later on in Romans chapter 8 when Paul is writing to the church at Rome. He says in verse 8, he says, there is therefore now, in this moment, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That we are freed from that. That the guilt and shame that comes from our sin is gone. Limitations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never stops. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. That's a good verse to have when you wake up in the morning. Alexa, read me Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. His mercies are new every morning. How would your prayers change if you expected God's mercy and forgiveness? Do you still ask Him to forgive you of things you've already asked Him forgiveness for? How would your prayers change if you expected mercy and grace and forgiveness for yourself? How would your prayers change if you expected mercy and grace and forgiveness for other people? How would your prayers change if you expected that mercy and forgiveness because, now you got to listen to all of this, what, how would your prayer change if you expected those things from God because you're worthy of it? And the reason you're worthy of it is because Jesus earned it for you. There's a difference. If I just stop that you're worthy of it, then I'm putting the, the impetus on the fact that you have done something. But the reason we go to God with boldness, and Hebrews talks about that the, approaching the, the throne of God with confidence is because through Christ, through what he has done, we are worthy of his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness. Because Jesus has earned it for us. Jesus earned it, He was perfect, he did everything for us, and then he gives it to us. And so now, God looks upon those who are in Christ, he looks upon me the same way he would look upon his son. And he would say, you are my beloved and you I am well pleased because when he looks upon us he sees the holiness of Jesus. That's crazy because I'm nothing like Jesus. It's like, and, and now I get to be part of the inner circle just like you. We get to go to those closed meetings that are invite only and we get to go into the inner circle with God to hear from him. What a privilege, privilege it is. And not only this, but like this mercy and forgiveness God gives to us that we underestimate, we forget that Jesus wants to be with us. He actually likes me. He desires to be with me. Jesus desires to share himself with us. In John 15, 15 the Gospel of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers. He says, "'No longer do I call you servants, "'for the servant does not know what his master is doing.' But I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. How would your prayer life change if you realize that the God of all creation, the Lord Jesus Christ, desires to spend time with you? In our world, many times we hear this. I don't know if you hear it many times, but you know, you've heard this before. It's not what you know, but it's who you know. Right? Right? There's job competitions, and so, you know, I was more qualified, but the guy's nephew got the job, right? You know, so we have these things. It's not necessarily what you know, but it's the networking. It's who you know. Well, check this out. Anytime in Christ, as a Christian, a follower, anytime you walk into a meeting, anytime you walk into an interview, anytime you're called into the boss's office at 3 p.m. on a Friday, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Any time you stand up to give a lecture, anytime you give your report to the CEO, anytime you go through a parent-teacher conference as a parent or a teacher, no matter the opportunity that's before you or the obstacle that's before you, Jesus is your referral. He's your reference. But not only that, he's the kind of reference and referral that's actually there with you in those moments he's not just sending you out isolated to be picked off but he's sending you out with himself he is always with you and that's one way that we can stop underestimating him and we can just in whatever moment we are we can just pause and say thank you Jesus for being here with me how would your prayer life change and the last one number three is this We underestimate Jesus in our praise. Our preparation, our prayer, and even in our praise, which is a good thing. You're saying, I can't even win when I praise. I can't even, like, get it right. And so I don't want to say this to where you feel condemned, and I don't think you'll walk away with this unless you stop listening right now. Uh, But if you are praising God and you're underestimating Him, this should unlock the opportunity for you to realize, hey, I I can do this even more that there's an opportunity for me to understand that as great as I think Jesus is right now, He's actually greater. They praised Jesus when He rode into Jerusalem uh, on Palm Sunday, and they were right to do so. They called Him the King, and He is the King. He was worthy of their praise. He was worthy of, of all that they had done, but He was worthy of more. It was good for them to praise Him, but He is worth more. And so a couple of ways that we can start to esteem Him more and underestimate Him less is to realize the fact that He has a great love for us. You can write that down too as far as praise. Thank you, God, for loving me the way You do. I don't want to underestimate the love that You have for me. I'm going to just read something to you. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, and whoever believes or trusts in Him will never die but have eternal life. And that sounds familiar to most of you because that's John chapter 3, verse 16. What a great love the Father has for us. What a great love Jesus has for us. And this love that he has is not just a global love that's for the entire world, which it is, but we saw earlier in Psalm, in Psalm 139 and other places that this love that is global is also individual. That it seeks us out. It is for all the people of the world, but he is also pouring it out onto Daniel. But it is remained to be seen who's going to surrender to this love and trust him as Lord. Our praise for him will be greater when we realize his love for us is so great. The second thing we can look at is his compassion the compassion that God has for us. Jesus knows what it is like. This is so good. Jesus knows what it's like to live in the world that you and I live in. The things that drive you crazy, He understands. He's been there. He's dealt with the jerks. (laughs) He's dealt with the people in our lives that we have labeled unlovable. Hebrews chapter four verse fifteen speaks of this. It says, "For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." I don't know how he did it. Was that you and I? Was that you and I? Yeah, we were talking this week. Angela and I were, and uh, I was like, "I don't know how he did it." I don't get it. I lose my cool like three times a day. Four times if I'm driving. i like, I just don't get it. How did he not sin? How did he not lose his cool and just blow up on somebody? For example, I'll give you an illustration. Last night I was driving... And I picked up someone here. You know, the ba- traffic's bad at Astoria Boulevard right now because they're doing construction. And so I picked up someone, and there was just a log jam of traffic. And I rolled my window down. I, I told him, I said, hey, I'm going to do a U-turn here, but it's safe, nobody's moving. So I motioned to the guy behind me, rolled my window down. And he's like, I'm going to do a U-turn. He goes, okay, okay. So I just did a U-turn, turned around, and I waved at him. I was like, all right, thanks, thanks. And then my window's down, and then I get... Th- two cars behind the guy going the other way and the guy yells what are you stupid or something? and I yell back yes I am (laughs) I've had similar instances where I haven't responded the same way but I've been listening to the Bible in my AirPods man it's been so good it's like love your enemies. It says you love yourself. I'm like, there's a lot of enemies in this city of me, <laughs> and so I was just ready, and I, I was I was laughing about it. And I was like, yes, I am. I like, you know, what am I going to do? You know, argue with the? G- I'm driving. I guess I could have argued with him. So yeah. Anyway, I just re- responded, yes, I am. Now a couple things to clarify. I don't honestly think that I'm stupid. <laughs> Number one, some of you may disagree, we can talk about that later. But compared to God, I, I would be on the scale of stupid because he's really smart. And compared to his perfection, I have done stupid things. And Forrest Gump's mama said, stupid is as stupid does. So that's a good point to remember as well. While I have dabbled in my fair share, or probably more than my fair share of stupidity, I'm also smart enough to know this, that the man yelling at me is not a threat to me. He doesn't hold the value of my life in the power of his words. He doesn't determine anything about My life. Even if the horrible scenario of Him ending my life out of rage, even if that happens, He still has no authority over my life. In Christ, I have no fear, I am secure. My life is not just here and now. It's beyond that. I underestimate my life often. My life is secured in the broken body and the blood of Christ. And I have eternal life. And another thing about this is, you know, the gospel... Exposes when other people do things against us. They sin against us and we're victims. It calls those things out. But it also exposes when we're the oppressor. And the truth is, I have been, I have done things much worse than yell at other drivers and call them stupid. And the God of heaven has looked upon me and given me mercy and grace and forgiveness and a new life. Because Jesus never flipped his lid. He never lost his cool. He never succumbed to the temptation. God has compassionately given me grace and has turned a broken person into a whole and redeemed child of God? Are you underestimating the voice of Jesus in your life and exaggerating the voices of the people in the world that are calling out to you? You're not valuable enough. You're not beautiful enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you know, handsome enough. You're not whatever enough. Are you giving those things an exaggerated form of false power and ignoring what the God of heaven is saying to you. That I have created you, I have a plan for you, and I'm going to give you new life and a new power that you have never known before. And in me, God says, in Christ, you will walk in victory. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says something so powerful he acknowledged, he says, I've said these things to you and he just got through telling them there's going to be some bad stuff that's going to happen. And it's it's just going to be terrible. But I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You will have trials. You will have difficult things that happen. But I want you to take heart, he says, I have overcome the world, Even if they take you out and kill you, Peter, don't worry, I've overcome the world. You're going to be resurrected with me. Even if they do the worst imaginable, don't worry, I have overcome the world. Jesus told them, he said, look guys, there's a new king in town and I'm him. And so we need to remember that there is a new king that has come to town, and his name is Jesus. And this holy week is going to be a reminder of how he continued to shock the world and even the people who were closest to him. And he did that by submitting himself to death on a cross that was designed for the worst criminals in the world. And then he shocked them even more. Instead of staying dead, He came back to life on that first Easter Sunday, never to die again. Satan threw everything he could throw at Jesus, and Satan lost. Jesus won the victory. So when you're tempted to underestimate Jesus, and I want you to remember this, Jesus is no ordinary king. We serve the king of all kings, the one who lives and is seated at the right hand of God, who reigns in full authority over all the earth? And this king is the new king. The question I have for you, that I'll leave you with, is how are you going to respond? Are you going to surrender this king? Are you going to continue to underestimate him? Are you going to fall at his feet and worship him and start preparing? like he is the king of kings, and start praying like he's the king of kings, and continue to praise him as the king of kings. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much for the privilege to be called your children. Thank you that, that you are here. Thank you that you are uh, empowering us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you so much that, that you have given us a word tonight uh, from your scriptures Thank you that you are so vastly beyond who we can even fathom you to be. Your greatness exceeds that. I I pray, Lord, that we would take, take it to our heart that you desire to have a, a deep, rich, personal relationship with every one of us. And I thank you that it does over, overwhelm you, that, that we can all come to you at one time in this moment of prayer and you are sorting it out perfectly in your grace, in your, in your greatness, that it doesn't overwhelm you, Lord. So I pray that tonight we would recognize you as our true king. We would bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.